Ryan Helsley, super closer, super reliever, St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> pulling over for us. And some fresh money in the pocket, too. So we'll start there. So first off, dude, congrats. How did that all go down? Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, it went smooth. You know, it, uh, it feels good to go into spring and know what you're making, you know, to not have not a distraction, but, you know, something else weighing on your mind. So it feels good to, you know, have all that squared away and, you know, hit the ground running. How did that go? Can Can you give us any other insight? Like, are you one of those that's super involved or – hey, agency, I pay you money so that you handle it and you just call me when I have to make a decision and you have to give me some information. Yeah, I'd say a little bit of a mix. You know, I think that's why you hire them to let them talk the money, you know, but I like knowing, you know, how the process process works out. And, um, you know, they called me about once a day, you know, say how their conversations went with the team and, you know, kind of fill me in. And um, so it was it was a fun process. How What, what was that? Like, I, I'm always interested. Like, you agreed to what you agreed to. Were you way higher? Were they way lower? And you met at that point? Did you get a little bit past the 50, you know, half halfway point? How how did it work out for you? You don't have to tell us what the numbers were that you were going with, but we talked about it yes two days ago or yesterday. Todd Frazier, before they went in to, you know, file, the team said six million. He said 18 million, and they met at 12 million. Like so that's super extreme, right. but how did it work for you? Yeah, I would say we probably met somewhere close to the middle. Um, I don't know exactly where they started at, but I know, you know, from talking to my guys, they felt like it was a very fair offer and they're really excited about it. And, you know, they both, both sides worked well together, I think. And, you know, I think after last year, it was big, you know, not having to go through that again and then, you know, just kind of make amends and, you know, the, the process this time was much better, and I think from what I was told, it was very smooth. Okay, so you got some good money, really good money. You and Jordan Hicks still friends? Yeah, of course. Okay, so then he can pay for dinner from now on because he got some. <laughs> he got a little bit of extra cash. Free agency is different, and I want you to give your honest opinion on this. Is Jordan Hicks going to be a good starting pitcher for the San Francisco Giants? Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know he was starting. One of my other buddies actually texted me and was like, yo, Jordan just got paid. And I had to Twitter search it real quick. So I was working out during the time. And, uh, you know, I think he can be for sure. You know, he's young and he pitched all throughout the minor leagues as a starter and has some experience in the big league starting. Um, I think if he could find a third pitch, you know, that he can throw for strikes a lot, you know, he could have some success because obviously he throws 100 and, you know, has crazy movements. So I think, you know, honestly, the sky's the limit for him. The extra four-seamers they started throwing last year, is that something, obviously it was on purpose, is that something you think could be a third pitch because that sinker is so devastating? It's almost like a left-handed slider and a four-seamer from a lefty. Like, do you think that could be something? Because I saw, now he didn't throw a ton of them. He only threw over 100-some. But he had one walk on the four-seamer. And he had 18 punch outs. Like that's something mm -hmm. that an analytically driven team, which the Cardinals maybe are not quite up to par on that stuff, is going to exploit and really try to use more. Or what's that? What's that chatter from him in the bullpen like? Yeah, I mean, you know, I played catch them every day for the last two years while he was with us, and you know, we would long toss, and he's trying to throw sinkers 200 feet, and <laughs> you know, I'm trying to talk some sense into him. Hey, throw something a little straighter, man. We can play a little bit better at catch and. You know, I'm not taking all the credit for it, but I like to say I, I put a little bug in his ear to throw a four-seamer, you know, and 
obviously having that pitch that, you know, arrives to the top of the zone and, you know, it's completely different than a sinker, I think can really help him a lot. And obviously, like you said, he's had great success with it already. And, you know, you see guys all the time switch teams and, um, you know, they make adjustments with their pitches and they, you know, find success. So that's, it's going to be cool to see him and see what the Giants do and, you know, adjusting that for him. Do you think it could take away from his sinker? I'm always leery of guys that are really good sinker ball pitchers. Now he's an elite, you know, velocity sinker ball pitcher, but the guy starts throwing a cutter and it kind of flattens out that sinker a little bit. Did you see that being a guy that had eyes on his arm every single day for the last two years? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, he kind of uses it as like an off-speed pitch. You know, guys don't ever really see it. So I think, you know, whatever his cue is for, for a sinker, obviously it's different for a four-seam. And I think he's been able to really figure that out. And like you said, he only walked one person with his four-seam. So he's got some feel for it, obviously. So I think, you know, if he can just nail that down and get that more precise and consistent, you know, I think he could, you know, make it into a real weapon. Ryan, so I'm looking at the pitch usage this past season for Jordan, and it's different, we know, as a reliever versus as a starter. And I know his velo ticked down a little bit from a billion to like one or two shades under a billion when he was starting a couple <laughs> of years ago. But he was a little over 64% sinker, about 20% sweeper, a little over 10% four seam, and then like barely using, you know, I guess what they registered as a slider separate from the sweeper. So what does he have to do to be an effective big league starter now? I mean, we saw it in a little taste a couple of years ago, and I don't think it went that well. I know he's still kind of working his way back from things, but does he need to add another pitch? Have you seen other pitchers that are able to thrive with two pitches at an elite level like that as a starter to get through a lineup three times? Yeah, I mean, right off the top of my head, I, you think of Jacob deGrom and Spencer Strider, you know, just fastball slider, really. Um you know, you see Strider and DeGrom both have really good changeups too, but, you know, the other two pitches are so good and they throw so many strikes, you know, they can get away with it. And obviously they throw a million like like Hicks does. So, um, you know, I think this year Hicks really found his slider, like he's always had potential for it. Um, I think that's what kind of helps his strikeout numbers along with the four seam. And, you know, I think if he can, you know, improve those and keep attacking guys and getting ahead, you know, and facing guys two, three times is a lot different than, facing him once or maybe once every other day, however it works out. But, you know, I think he could, you know, maybe add another pitch. You know, I think that's something that, you know, he's probably going to be open to, especially being a starter. You always want more weapons. And, you know, as a hitter, if you got to worry about four pitches instead of three or three instead of two, you know, it just makes it that much more difficult. You're always sitting next to him down there in the pen. And the bullpen is a different – it's a different country. Like, the field, starting pitchers are different countries. Is – Jordan Hicks going to be able to have the starter lifestyle? Is he going to miss being down there with with the hooligans in the bullpen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like from talking to him when he was doing it a couple years ago, that's kind of what he's always wanted to do in the big leagues. Like, obviously, a guy like him profiles better in the bullpen, and, you know, it's go out there and let it eat for 15 pitches versus – an hour and a half to two hours and trying to cover six or seven innings and facing guys three times, you know, it's, it's a lot different of a mentality. And, you know, I, I haven't started since the minor leagues, but I remember, you know, the whole day before you start, you're kind of getting anxious and, you know, the hours leading up to it, you know, it's all you're thinking about, but bullpen's a little different, you know, you can't be locked in 365 or 182 games, however many it is, you know, you're going to wear yourself out. And, you know, I think that's probably what adds to a little bit of the, the circus or the zoo down there in the bullpen, you know, you got to, 
keep your mind a little freer. Obviously, you're locked in watching the game, but you know you can't be sitting on edge for nine innings and every day. You're gonna wear yourself out down there. Ryan, good to see you. Um, hey, you too. You mentioned you mentioned Strider and you mentioned Degrom, two guys obviously high in velocity, two to three pitches. You can, you can say three, um, but get a lot of strikeouts. But inning eaters also. How can Jordan Hicks become a starter and do that? Yeah, he's not the most swing and miss guy, but if you're trying to go again deep into ball games, the sinker ball is definitely the pitch to have. Do you think by him having two really elite pitches, the fastball slider, joining Robbie Ray, who has two elite pitches, the fastball slider, that can work, especially in a cold environment like that with a good infield defense? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think, you know, maybe this first year, this might be a growing year for them, you know, just letting him so to speak, just go, you know, just let him pitch, let him learn from his mistakes and just let him go out there and make himself a better starting pitcher. And, you know, a guy that throws a 100 or 98 to 100 with a sinker like that, it's, it's always going to be hard to hit, even if you know it's coming. And, you know, he's throwing a sweeper slider off of that too that's, you know, 88 to 92. It's going to be tough. And I think, you know, the key to any good pitcher is just being in the zone, you know, getting ahead and, you know, it's, it sounds so cliche, but if guys can just work ahead, you know, it obviously goes in favor of the pitcher a lot more. I had a couple fan questions to mix in here. Um, Kelsey Bird actually puts out some great baseball content too. He says, can we hear from Hells on what adjustments might look like for Hicks in terms of Velo as one of the only other guys in the league that throw that kind of heat? Yeah, I mean, I think for him, Obviously, you want to hold your velo. You don't want to taper off, you know, innings five, six, and seven. And I think for him, it's going to be figuring out this offseason, you know, this last month and even throughout spring training is how can he, you know, keep that the whole 100 pitches, 110 pitches for 32 starts, 35 starts, you know, into the postseason. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a grind. It's a different kind of stress than throwing 15 pitches, you know, back-to-back -back days or even three days in a row. It's just different on the body, and it's going to take some adjusting and getting used to. And, you know, they had, San Francisco's had some good starters and um, in past, and I think they got some good ones out there still. And, you know, maybe they can build off each other. Logan Webb and him kind of have similar arsenals. You know, maybe he can feed off of him and, you know, pick his brain a little bit, who's had a lot of success at the big leagues. And, you know, it'll, it'll be fun to see and watch him develop. Is it fun to watch the free agent market right now as a guy who's going to go through arbitration one more time after this year? Is it fun to watch the market, see your guy – Jordan Hicks get his forty-four million. See Ronaldo Lopez get his thirty million. Kind of guys in bullpens that are like, you know what? I'm doing way better than both of those guys. Is it fun to watch? And who in the market right now are you looking at? Like, I kind of want to see what Hater's going to do. Maybe I don't quite have the Hater numbers, but Hater's on another level. You, you, and Devin Williams are going to come out at the same time in a free agency. Is that exciting? Like, are you looking at like maybe getting a Lambo instead of the, the ride <laughs> that you got right now? Uh, yeah, I'm not much of a, a car person. You know, I'd rather buy like a four wheeler or some side by side or something. You know, and I'm more of a country guy. I don't really care about vehicles that much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting. You know, Devin Williams has had a great career too. You know, I think in comparison with Hater. Minus the saves, you know, stuff-wise, strikeouts, everything of that nature. You know, he's as good as anybody, too, and has had a crazy start to his career and has been as consistent as bad as you can be in the bullpen. And um, it'll, it'll be fun. You know, it's fun seeing, you know, your teammates and your friends hit free agency and, you know, just watching how guys and their careers progress and go along. So 
you know, it's, it's definitely something to look forward to, you know, not trying to look too far into the future, just trying to, you know, focus on the now and, you know, God willing, one day I get there, you know, it'd be exciting and a fun process to go to go through. You mentioned it very briefly about how you were starting pitcher in the minor leagues and obviously, you're, you know, hell of a closer. For people who don't know, what's the biggest difference between conditioning and strength off seasons between a reliever and a starter? You don't you know, you're not going to throw uh, 180 innings, but you still got to train like you're going to throw 180. So, like, what's the difference of, of training from a reliever to a uh, to starter? That Hicks is going to happen. Yeah, for me, right. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest thing is like bullpens leading up to it. You know, I think a starter going into spring, you're going to throw 50 pitch bullpens probably, you know, and then higher intent bullpens one day. And you got to mimic up downs and, you know, you got to give yourself that time to adjust and be ready to have that lengthy season. Whereas, you know, in the bullpen, especially with the pitch clock now, you know, I think training's going to have to change. And, you know, you only have 15 seconds or 18 seconds now to, throw a pitch and I think you have to really focus on that and change the mentality of being able to do that every so often instead of you know having these longer breaks and not feeling rushed as much and you know for me and my bullpens you know I'll throw closer to spring training I'll throw like two sets of 15 you know for the times I go one plus or two innings just so it's not you know something new and a shock to my body and you know I've thrown a lot of innings in the minor leagues as a starter and done quite a few up downs in the big leagues too. So I kind of know what that feels like and know what I need to get my body to be able to succeed with that. I had another fan question coming your way here, Ryan, this is from D rod, one of our regulars um, is St. Louis, the easiest city to play baseball in your experience. Obviously you're not going to be like, well, this is my eighth team. So it's probably a better <laughs> question for, for Kratz, even though, I mean, obviously you just spend time there on the other side, but from your teammates, some have been well-traveled. What do you think? Yeah, it's probably up there, you know, like fan-wise. I think they do a real good job of supporting you, you know. Um, especially being at home, obviously, they're not going to boo you as much as a place like, you know, Philly or Atlanta or, you know, a New York team, you know, those East Coast teams like that. Um, but, yeah, personally, it's great to play there. You know, we have great fans. You know, they're, they're fans of the game. You know, I feel like they just appreciate good baseball and, you know, they're in tune with the game and are dialed in, you know. And so hopefully this year um, we can give them a little bit more something to cheer about. So, and we've talked to you about this already. There hasn't been a ton of action since. There's been a little bit, like the Andrew Kittredge deal um, brings another friend to the bullpen who's had good success. Thoughts right now on what you've seen from the offseason from St. Louis? I know they did most of their damage early on. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely made improvements. You know, we're going to have guys who've been there, done that, and, you know, pitched at the highest level for a long time. And, um, you know, I think our bullpen – it's going to be good this year, too. You know, we got a couple guys in JoJo coming back and Gio, who's had a lot of success in the trade we just made for Kittredge, you know. And then we got four guys, you know, who could really, you know, be a threat back there in the back end. And, you know, we got some younger guys, too, that, you know, have a lot of a lot of good stuff and plus stuff. And, you know, Thompson or Libertor, if they make the team out of camp, and Andre Pallante, who's pitched a lot, you know. So, you know, I think we're going to be good. Um, it's going to be exciting to get to camp and, you know, get to know the new new guys and, you know, go from there. And how much are you paying attention to the rest of the division right now? Anything stand out to you in terms of moves? I mean, obviously, you know, we know, we know the classic rivalry with the Cubs. They've been pretty quiet so far. They just locked up uh, Imanaga the other day, but that's really the first move that they made. There's still plenty of free agents, obviously, still out there. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I think the Reds have made a big splash. You know, I think, you know, they got a taste of success last year and, you know, they got a good young core, and I think, you know, they're wanting to build on that. And, you know, they're going to be a good, good ball club. You know, there's 
they always play us really tough, you know, whether we're there or we're at home, but they got a good team and, you know, the Cubs are going to be good again. And the Brewers always can pitch, you know, and um, the Pirates got a good young team too. You know, I think it's going to be a competitive division. Um, it's going to be an exciting year. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Do players have wish lists? I know I did as a center fielder and you know, I was the leader of the team. I'm like, hey, I want to get this guy to get this guy, uh, especially <laughs> as I built more cachet. Uh, do you have a wish list? Like, man, damn, I want to, I want, I want somebody to set me up, or I would like, you know, I would love to have this guy, this guy. Do you have a, do a wish list, or just guys that obviously you admire and you know respect throughout the game, but guys you would like to play with? Yeah, you know, I obviously thought we might bring Hicks back. I thought that'd be cool. Um, you know, I feel like with today's day and age, you look at good bullpens. You know, most teams have like two closers. You know, obviously, you want to be that guy and close, but you know when you get to the the playoffs, you know, like you see it all the time, you know, Kimbrough was throwing the eight some and your closers are throwing the eighth. If it's, you know, two, three, four coming up, you know, you might need him to go now. And that's the biggest point of the game. You know, a lot of times, obviously you lose the game in the ninth, but you can win the game in the seventh and eighth too, just like you can in the ninth. So I think, you know, having deep bullpens, especially if you want to make a good playoff run is important, you know, and I think, you know, pitching wins ball games and helps you, you know, go all the way. Uh, Ryan, I have one more for you. So I know at one point when the team was struggling last year, John Mazalock talked about how they want to switch things up a little bit in terms of making sure that they are targeting pitchers with swing and miss. Well, you're good. You're good there. But do you think that there's anything from an organizational philosophical standpoint um, that the organization can do internally to try and boost that? versus obviously just looking for other pitchers that have more swing in this stuff on the market or in trades. Yeah. You know, maybe that's something we need to do in spring training. You know, I feel like, you know, I remember being a younger guy, you want to come in and, you know, wow people and try to make the team. But I feel like we've got a few guys now who've been around and, you know, have some experience. This might be the time where we can work on stuff, like you said, to try to get more swing and miss and, you know, maybe change our, our, our pitching mindset a little bit and, you know, go for that. Um, I mean, you see, like I said, all the good bullpens have guys, there's seven, eight, nine guys that are striking out 25 to 35% of guys, you know, and, and that's what you need to miss bats and miss barrels when you're in the back, back into the bullpen. One more switching gears. AJ presents. He's going to be pissed at me, but there, there's a tweet from you. I didn't want to let this go. Cause it's going to be dated. If we get to you next time about it. Oh, Ryan Helsley tweet. Can we just make it a 12 team playoff this year? Did we miss that? Cause we hadn't talked to you since. So you, you want to air it yeah. out for a sec? Yeah, I just I, I, I feel like it's tough. Only four teams, you know. I feel like majority of the people would agree with me in uh, in college football. I mean, I, you know, Georgia was the best team all year, and they lose to a great Alabama team. There's no reason they shouldn't be in it. And then you got Florida State, who's undefeated. You know, I, I couldn't imagine being on the Florida State team and not making the playoff. You know, facing all the adversity they faced, and still, you know, the name of the game's win, and they figured out ways to win. And you know. And I, I couldn't imagine being in those teams. And I'm a Ohio State fan, so I wanted them to be in it. You know, I thought they had a really good ball club, Marvin Harrison Jr. and those guys. And, um, you know, it'll be fun going forward seeing the new playoff format. I think it'll be better for the game and um, more meaningful games. You know, I don't think guys are going to sit out as much and, you know, if they're not making a playoff. And I think that's what fans want to see is the better players playing in, in those meaningful games. Yeah, Kratz, you could say it. Let's just let everybody in. Let's just let them all in. Like, Feel hey, did you guys form. have a quarterback? Did you guys? Are you guys hurt? Get your quarterback got hurt? We'll give you another one. Like, let everybody in. Ohio State, five hundred record. There. Yeah, yeah, but you can complain. Six Ryan wins a bowl game. Yeah, well, bowl games are stupid. But Ryan, you can tell them. 
you can complain on the fifth team because there's so many teams, right? Like uh, they're on the outside looking in. They shouldn't have been. So you can't afford like, 13th? No. You can't. Boise State isn't going to be pissed. James Madison University. If they went undefeated, they're going to be in that top 12, right? Am I right? No. I barely watch any college. Yeah, I mean, I think if you win the Power 5 conference, you automatically get in, which is probably what it's going to be. You know, like, how, how do you win a Power 5 conference and not make the playoff? That's that's my only thing. So then, so then everybody else, why are they even playing? Why don't they go make their own division? What do you mean everyone else? You just said, like, if, if you're not in a Power 5, then and I'm really speaking then, out of my ass because I don't know what I'm talking about. But then you're not, then you're not in the playoff. No, go hey, Cardinals. Hey, maybe maybe we'll do that for the MLB too. Hey, uh, AL Central, NL Central, you're now one division, and you only get one representative in the playoffs. Sorry, you're not part of the Power Four divisions. <laughs> who wins? Who does it? Who wins outside of the Power Five anyway? Nobody gets a shot. No one's deserved a shot. Well, no one's well, no, okay, sorry, South, South Dakota State or North Dakota State. Who just won? <laughs> Give them. If you win the FBC, you get to you no know, FCS. You get to go for the FBS. Yeah, sure. Pick well, that for, one. Whoever, whoever relegate. You should relegate. Oh, I think that that showed us Liberty was good, and then they played whoever it was in their bowl game, and Oregon got smacked. Yeah. They got killed. Yeah, I mean, there you go. There's prime example of it. Prime example. That's why when Boise State played Alabama, they lost. What sixty to seven or something like that? Like, <laughs> I just sounded so smart about Oregon. Like I actually cared or watched that game, but really, you it know. was one of the fans in the chat. Two seven five. That I see you. I'm calling myself out. Ryan, good talk, man. Keep doing your thing in the off season. We'll get you again in a few weeks. All right. All right. Sounds good, y'all. Good to see y'all. Take care. <laughs>